0: hey welcome back to living hope a weekly journey designed to provide hope inspiration and education for those living with pancreatic cancer sharing the real life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis and today well we've got a double survivor here survive the veteran experience and the pancreatic cancer experience here can't knock this guy down here with the woman who matches him for tenacity, Roberta Luna. Hey, Roberta. Hi,
1: thank you. I like that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy today, And but before we go, I just want to, today is Veterans Day, so I want to thank all those who are serving and have served our country. I really appreciate it. In honor of Veterans Day, we have a very special guest, someone I haven't seen in a really long time, so I'm really thrilled to see him today, is Chris Calaprice, a U.S. Army Rangers veteran and an 18-year pancreatic cancer survivor. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us today. It's so wonderful to see you. I'm so excited to see you.
2: Hi. It's nice to see you, too, and thanks for having me on today.
1: Oh, thanks for agreeing to okay. be here. Really thrilled to hear you uh, tell your story. You've got an amazing, amazing story. How and when were you diagnosed exactly?
2: I was diagnosed in 2003 in October. I was having really severe abdominal pains. I'd been probably having those for almost a year before that. I'd been going to GIs, having upper and lower GI. Doctors didn't find anything. Talked up to having too much stress and eating the wrong foods or whatever. One day I just fold it over, and then, you know, I'm pretty hard to fold me over, and my wife at the time, Jennifer, took me to the ER, and they treated for uh, pancreatitis, which was five days of not uh, not eating, and just IV fluids, and seeing if it would resolve, and then that didn't work, so they tried it again, so I was about 10 days of not eating, just painkillers, and uh fluids. Then they finally managed to do a scope, an endoscope, and discovered that my bile duct was blocked by a mass. They did a, uh, they then sent me out for a more uh, invasive ERCP. They uh, took a biopsy and discovered that it was pancreatic. They sent me home, home to get stronger, and then in November I had a so I'm right at my 18th Whipple anniversary here in a few days, um, and Dr. Howard Reber uh, performed a Whipple, and then in January I started chemotherapy with uh, um, with Dr. William Isaacoff, and I did uh, continuous chemotherapy for almost 10 years.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a long time. It kind of matches uh, my chemotherapy went almost as long. My last one was actually in 2018. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we can keep that up. But uh, when you were told then that you had pancreatic cancer, did the doctors give you much hope at that time or were they kind of, you know, just go home and put your house in order or did they come up with a plan right away?
2: Well, since we were able to do the resection and get clear margins, um, it really improved the you know, Isaacoff is definitely not a opponent of giving time. One of the doctors prior to my whipple, he first discovered that it was a so I was definitely told to pack my bags. But that, wasn't, that didn't really sit well with me. More about what are we going to do? And you know, let's get ahead of this
1: totally agree it's not good to be told to go home and put your house in order i didn't like that that option either didn't fit well very well with me either and maybe that's why we're both still here because we are very stubborn tenacious on whatever else to get the job done right how long is it um, been I know, you now um i'll be 20 years in april april 1st so i'm 19 right now so i'll be celebrating 20 years. yeah awesome right <laughs> thank you i appreciate that yeah it was, um that's i know Oh, thank you, Chris. And you have been an inspiration for me. As I said, I was so happy that you were able to join us today. I know we talk about risk factors, and with pancreatic cancers, you know, it's really difficult to come up with anything because the symptoms, you know, can be so vague and be so many different illnesses. But did you have a history of cancer in your family, or were you a smoker or a drinker? Or I know you weren't obese, you know, at all. But any of those things fit your your issues? No, I mean, think?
2: I don't think any more than, you know, most of the general population. Uh... I had been a smoker at one point, but, you know, and although, you know, it is a known carcinogens, so those pumping your gas in almost the same, same levels, not in terms of, like, lung cancer, where, you know, the specific cancers, lung, throat cancers, where it's, you know, a very high causal connection between smoking and, and those cancers, but in the general population, you know, it's... Uh, it about equals the percentages. So I'm not trying to downplay the role of smoking in it, but it's not a direct causal kind of relationship with pancreatic cancer.
1: No, and um, I have to agree with I you. Did,
2: I did have exposure in the military that uh, is probable the, you know, the probable cause thorium-232 exposure through our night observation device. You know, that's as best I can tell, that's a probable cause.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask that because I know we, you know, we had a bill that we got approved and it was passed by the DOD, the Department of Defense, and I couldn't really figure out how we got it passed that way, but somebody explained to me what they were seeing is a high percentage of veterans that were, you know, um, being tested and coming and having pancreatic cancer. So I was wondering if that's maybe something you thought was your, you know, your lead to it, because like you I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, neither did my grandmother, you know, but yet we both still had pancreatic cancer, where my dad and his brother were smokers and also pancreatic cancer. So what exactly is the correlation? I don't think we still don't really know, but yeah, I just So you then there. there's no real proof or evidence that you could have gone out during your service time?
2: Well, I mean, there's causal studies. Thorium-232 is a known cause of pancreatic cancer. Uh, I had known exposure to th- 232. I wasn't sterile before I went in the army. I was sterile when I got out. There's, you know, all the indicators are there. Uh, You know, I think regardless of, you know, of how it happens, because we don't have, you know, I I tested MEGA for BRCA2. We don't have a really good (laughs) nail down, like you said, of, you know, what is the cause for pancreatic cancer? It's not Really, you know, other than certain, as I understand it, and I don't know if this has changed since I was better on the statistics, but other than certain familial groups and ethnic groups, and they're very small in this case, uh, there really isn't any causal link. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are some families that it seems to be very prevalent in, yet we don't know what the gene is that, you know, that really causes that.
1: Yes, and that's what makes the treatment so difficult is not having something to go by and what, you know, and, and not really knowing, like you say, for at least for, you know, a lot of times in lung cancer and throat cancer, you can say it's smoking, not always, but with pancreatic, you have so many people that live the what you'd say the perfect life. They eat healthy, they exercise, they don't smoke and drink, and yet they still get pancreatic cancer. So, we need to find that common denominator so we can have more long-term survivors like yourself and, and, and myself. So. And, yeah.
2: Well and again it's the cash issue. You know, I mean it is as far as I know, there haven't been any real radical changes in in research spending in pancreatic cancer in all these years. And you know, still one of the top killers and still one of the least funded of the major cancers.
1: Yes, and it keeps moving Correct. up every year. Yeah, exactly.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong on that because I would love to hear that we're spending radically more money on it.
1: We well, you know PanCan is doing a great job as far as, you know, research and so are some of the other, uh, you know, nonprofits. So it, it it's better than it was when you and I were first um, diagnosed because I know I remember, you know, attending something with PanCan and only having like five researchers came out. And when we attended something in 2019, I mean, there were so many, I lost count. And so it was really great to see that. But, and, you know, we have changed our survival rate, but it's taken us forever to get there. And it's really still unacceptable. It shouldn't take us. When I was, I think my dad was diagnosed, it was 3%. I was 4% and we're only at 10% right now. So um, we really need to make the move and get that. That's just really unacceptable. And we need to do what, more than what we're doing. But I think we are getting there with a lot of help from, like I said, PanCanis, a great research um, for anybody wants to check it out. They can go to their website and there's a lot of information on there as well. You did something I think really amazing in 2010, if I have the year right, I may be a little off on that. But can you tell us about that, what you did? I mean, I'm just still in awe of what you did. So can you kind of share that with us?
2: Well, I got a little crazy in 2010. I was pretty frustrated with not being able to fight my cancer harder and kind of took it out on pancreatic cancer as a whole, trying to, uh, really trying to move even more of what you know, I'd been doing with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network with Pancan, and, um, you know, I was really appalled by the funding, and we'd been going to Washington and lobbying. I decided that we needed to gather even more awareness, so I, while doing chemotherapy, I set out on my motorcycle uh, along with uh, a, a great support group and, um, you know, some dear friends, Andy, uh, Madison, and ex wife Jennifer Healy, and uh, I did a 43,000-mile motorcycle ride to raise awareness at that time. The significance of the number was one person, one mile for each person diagnosed uh, that year. So we did uh, all 50 states, three provinces, 43,000 miles in nine months, like I said, while getting chemo on the road, so I had stopovers for chemo. And just you know, took it to the small towns in the streets with uh, you know, thanks to company that's not around anymore, but uh Victory Motorcycles from Polaris and they're now making Indian motorcycles. Yeah. Um but they sponsored me the whole way and a lot of other great sponsors and a lot of help from uh you know from folks like yourself and Pancan affiliates and Pancan and um, We just went out and got in the newspapers and got on TV and raised a ruckus.
1: Yeah, you did. And I really appreciate you doing that. We we followed you. And in fact, I went back through some of the old footage just last night. And um, so it's still there. So all they have to do is Google your name and they'll be able to go back and see some of the old, old footage that you did. And it's really great to see the support from the people that you had. Did you meet anybody along the way that really just kind of stuck with you?
2: Oh, there have been so many. You know, I I hate to single individuals out and I hate to not list everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's just kind of unfair. Uh, a lot of the folks that, you know, that supported us, they're not with us anymore, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, I I knew that we'd kind of reached a lot of people one day. My my aunt was approached by somebody in her rheumatoid arthritis group. Um, and the person not knowing my aunt and not knowing me or any relationship there, started telling my aunt the story about this guy riding his motorcycle all over the place to, um, you know, to raise hope. And cause that was our primary message is that there is hope and don't give up on us. And my aunt says, Oh, that's my nephew. And I thought it was really, you know, that was really kind of the high water mark for me, knowing that we'd made enough noise that somebody living in a city hundreds and hundreds of miles away where my aunt lived would, and not, you know, a pancreatic cancer follower, um, somebody who's aware of the disease, would hear that story and, you know, bring it, just you know unannounced my aunt, and that was kind of like this really cool mark that we we'd raised awareness and you know you mentioned that you can google me and I think that was the other high water mark for me and it's still true today that I discovered somebody told me that you can put in three words and find me Chris, answer and motorcycle
1: oh wow <laughs> so
2: it's I thought that was pretty cool that uh you only have to put in three words to uh to find it. And, you know, although the uh, Guinness Book of World Records doesn't, for some reason, track charity events, uh, at the time I set out the longest claimed solo, meaning one individual doing all the riding because a lot of these are relays. Uh, mm-hmm. Motorcycle ride for charity was at that time 7,000 miles. Uh, and I did that, you know, the first week. nine months so we kind of smashed that one um i'm sure lots of people have bettered my record by now
1: that would be nice to be in there right
2: (laughs) yeah well like i said they don't they don't track that
1: yeah and and that's why you did it i mean it's amazing what you did and i would hear from people who said you know i saw this big purple semi on on the truck because that's what was part of your your crew right and uh, so they would make comments about that too so it's just was a great attention getter so you really use the 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 color purple very well
2: that was the idea (laughs) we'd roll into these tiny towns with a you know a big fifth wheel wrapped in purple and a and a horrendously purple motorcycle wrap on this giant motorcycle and uh, you know really stand out and get people to ask well what were we doing
1: yeah That you did. And I remember when we were in DC one year, you had your motorcycle and it was parked in front of the hotel. And it just drew so many people who wanted to see I mean, they weren't used to for one seeing a purple motorcycle, I'm sure. So it really drew the crowd in and you were very kind to let everybody have a little seat on there and get their picture taken and whatnot. But um you you did this all on the road and you you were still doing chemo. How did you manage that? I mean, chemo's not an easy, it's not, you know Go in, get your shot and come out and be happy. I mean, how did how did you manage all that?
2: Well, I there again I have to thank the military for that. You know, they they definitely hammered the perseverance into me uh, to work through the tougher times. You know, there were really rough, rough, rough days. There were days that you know, I remember riding a motorcycle away from doing chemo and actually riding a motorcycle to chemo and Growing up in the bushes and having the sport rig pull up, and my good friend Andy Madison was my uh, videographer the whole trip. Andy helping me off the motorcycle and into the back of the fifth wheel to, you know, just sleep for a couple hours there on the side of the road with the hazards on and then get back on the bike and go. You know, it, uh, the need for funding, the need for awareness, far outweighed my need for comfort.
1: You're a great inspiration. I hate to do that. And I, I for one, appreciate, and I know so many others that do, because I have people asking me all the time, hey, have you heard from Chris lately? So you still have a lot of people out here that care about you, want to know about you, and you're a great inspiration. And what you did, like I said, for the, what, over 42,000 miles, I, I can't imagine. But we still need the funding. We still need the research. We still need the awareness. So, are you doing anything now for that, or what are what are your plans, future plans?
2: Well, what we're what we're doing now, um, kind of retooling. After 2010, 2011, I did some rides in eleven to raise awareness. Unfortunately, Jennifer and my relationship didn't make it through uh, all this because, quite honest. When you go through highly traumatic events, sometimes you grow in different ways. And um, you know, she's she's still a good friend. She's an amazing person. But our marriage didn't survive it. And going through a divorce at the you know at the end of 2010 and the beginning of 2011, then trying to figure out how to date with pancreatic cancer, which That was definitely interesting. And being mentally and physically exhausted from the trip, I just couldn't hold Road to a Cure together at that point. So Road to a Cure went dormant, Um, but we are bringing it back now. I say we as uh, a business partner uh, and I are starting a PTSD equine therapy program and hopefully under the auspices of Road to a Cure and Refocusing road to a cure to help veterans and cancer patients with the challenges of survival, survivor's guilt, mm-hmm. the loss of so many people, the the physical traumas. I, you know, we glanced over what a whiffle is, but those uh, you know, of us that had it, we've been um, pretty much dissected, and a lot of parts missing. We've been through amazing amounts of physical pain and emotional trauma. And it's kind of time as as I've moved through this journey, Road to a Cure is kind of gonna move through it with me to learning, you know, I, I coined a phrase years ago and it kind of really took off called new normal. Uh, and That was something <laughs> that I kept hammering on Road to a Cure and it really saturated. But it is a new normal and having to figure out how to thrive in the long term horses have been very good to me that way. Uh, they've been an incredibly therapeutic thing. I spend my time now working with them and I spend a lot of my time. I ride with a, an all former ranger motorcycle club, all guys that were in in the ranger regiment and spec ops guys that, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels, a lot of commonalities. And being able to help both communities, for me, is, um, is pretty important, especially you know, today. Um, although this is the day you're allowed to uh, wish us a happy Veterans Day, because it is the day for uh, you know, honoring that um, memorials, that today is the day that these don't wish me happy. You know, it takes a toll on all of us, and I don't care when you served. I don't care if it's four times, peace times. Just the act of that service uh, leaves an indelible imprint on you, and some of them are good, some of them are not. And, you know, we're taught to be tough and to not ask for help, and it's really important that we do reach out for help, especially these days. that service and the people that didn't make it. Um, think about the cancer and the people that didn't make it.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know,
2: have hope and hold each other and support each other and find a path through.
1: And I think you've done that, and I really appreciate it. And I know, like you said, you know, cancer doesn't just affect us individually; it is it affects the whole family. So I want to thank you for being here today and sharing uh, your feelings and really being open about it because I know it's very difficult sometimes to, to share that, but I do appreciate it. And I really want to have you come back and talk more because one of the subjects is survivor guilt. That is something that's really important. I would really like to touch more on, but unfortunately, this time goes by so quick that um, I do want to thank you. And I think you are definitely a strong voice for those who don't have the strength to speak anymore or who are just too you know, putting all that strength into fighting. So I want to thank you for sharing your journey with us today and today. Uh, episode of Living Hope is dedicated to all the men and women serving or have served our country and those who are also battling pancreatic cancer. So thank you, um, Chris Caller-Price, for being here with us. I really appreciate it. I love seeing you, and I love you, and I miss you. So take care, and we'll come back again.
2: I would love to, and thank you for having me on, and to all my brothers and sisters out there, both in the cancer community, but specifically today, the veterans. Thank you for your service and welcome home.
1: Thank you.
0: Well, there you have it. Welcome home to another episode of Living Hope. Your journey living with pancreatic cancer. Designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for all of those on this journey sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. If you'd like to share your story, please come forward. We're always looking for more stories. And if anyone you know needs help, like right now, get a pen, write this down, tell them to call patient services at the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. The number is 8772 PANCAN. You ready? Write that down. 877, the number two. P A N C A N. For some help right now. And for all of us at the Orange County Talk Radio Network, have a happy Veterans Day. Go hug a veteran today.